0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So here we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs and running first base. Mark Knutson, the tall right-hander, trying to nail this one down. He has thrown a gem to this point. Eight and two-thirds innings, giving up just three hits and looking for his fourth complete game to speak and perhaps to secure his 15th victory. He's got a three-to-one lead here in the bottom of the ninth. But at the plate is the guy who has two of those hits, Manny Rendonawa, a single to center and a double to right so far. Knutson into his windup. Here's the pitch, and he throws a fastball right by Rendonawa for strike one. Rendonawa a bit tardy on that swing. Now we're ready for the next pitch. The windup, and here it comes. There's a swing and a long one into the gap in right center field, way back towards the wall. It's off the wall. Beschet can't get there. He's chasing it down, and out of nowhere comes Ellis Burks. He'll get to the ball first. The run's going to score. Randall is around second. He's digging for three. Here comes the throw from Burks. It's going to be close. Here's the slide. It's, it's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knutson and Manny Rendawa. What a
1: difference a week can make baseball is back and that means Manny Randall is off the bench and back in the game here on the park adjusted Rockies podcast not only that he brought along a friend time to talk real actual Colorado Rockies baseball so who better to join us than Manny's partner from MLB.com the one and only Thomas Harding will the Rockies add a big bat to their underwhelming lineup this spring is a big free agent signing really a possibility and if so who We talk roster depth, pitch-a-palooza, stat-mongering, and bang the shift. It's all baseball and it's all fun right here on this week's edition of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We're back right after this.
2: For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com.
0: Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information.
1: Well, Manny, welcome back. Welcome out of timeout. Glad to have you back. Glad to be Thank able you. to Glad talk to about back. real baseball. None of this lockout stuff that's over. We're done. We're not talking about it anymore. It's over and done with. And we get to talk about real baseball. The good news is the games are back. The schedule's coming out. I'm going to spring training next week for, for a week and down there. That's all good. The bad news is we got to talk about the Rockies lineup. So well, who better to do that than the guy who's down there on the scene already. Thomas Harding, uh, your partner at MLB.com. Thomas, I know you're feeling good. You're feeling clean. You're ready to roll. When are the big, are the big leaguers all there now?
3: Uh, yeah, they're all here. They did their physicals today and tomorrow is kind of a full workout. They did a little like thing today but now it's full time it's time for baseball
1: Well, let's just jump right into this manny um you were talking before we started recording that this lineup is pretty much the opposite of murderers row at this moment no no threat to the Blake street bombers legacy right now uh thomas are you hearing anything about more potential free agent acquisitions are they still chasing chris bryant
3: yeah they're still chasing um and it's kind of the top priority is chris bryant kyle schwarber and michael conforto and i was checking with sources today I, and um, I know that mark Feinstein of MLb.com has something on Twitter about it and it is definitely true and whenever I talk to folks it's not just gee the manager wishes this or G someone wishes it mm-hmm. all the way up to the ownership they're wanting to go after a big bat they said they were going to do it and they're gonna they're going to put the effort in I mean will it be successful I guess we'll find out but Everything that I've heard is all systems go on pursuing those guys,
1: Manny. Without the without an addition, this lineup is uh, struggles. <laughs> I'll put it nicely.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I just looked earlier because um, when I saw Mark's Mark Feinstein's tweet, you know, I, I just it gave me occasion to look, and I looked at the the projected lineup here, and you've got two guys who are above average uh, OPS plus, park adjusted on base plus slugging, and that was, and that would be uh, from last year. That would be CJ Crone, one hundred and thirty. Obviously, had a great season, um, and, you know, there's really no reason to think he can't do that again. And then there's Brendan Rogers, who was at 102, and uh, for those who don't know, 100 is league average. And so um, that's it. Uh, those are the two guys. And then the rest of the lineup is below league average uh, at the plate. And, um, you know, again, you got guys, it's been, which it's been the same thing the last uh, several years. You're, gonna, you're, you're wondering what you're going to get from Ryan McMahon. You're wondering what you're going to get from certain guys who um, have not fully made the transition to the big leagues in the way that maybe they were hoped to have. Rymel Tapia is one of those guys, too. Sam Hilliard. Um, Sam Hilliard. uh, Yeah, yeah, that's a guy you talk about a lot for good reason. I mean, his 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 bill, he's basically he's built like Larry Walker. Yep. And he you know, we don't expect anybody to be Larry Walker, but I mean, and he can hit home run. So if he can figure that, if he can figure things out at the plate, he, that would be huge. But again, the Rockies are in a position where they are relying on unproven guys for the most part. And um, it's why they have to get a bat basically. And if they don't, this will be the lightest lineup that the Rockies have ever put out there with possibly the exception of opening day 93. We, when we didn't know that Galarraga was going to be yeah. what he was.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I saw a tweet that said, this is the first time in a, more than a decade, the Rockies haven't had a quote star or all-star caliber player, yeah. position player. Yep. And, it, and, it, and that's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And Thomas, um, I can't see them going into this Chris Bryant aside, whatever, I can't see them being happy going into the season this way.
3: No, um, but I've not seen any intention of going into the season okay. this way. That's the thing is that, you know, we've had a, um, I think the off season started on Thursday. That's mm-hmm. what we're looking at. The offseason started on Thursday. They just let so.
1: November slide by, and then now oh, they're going to get started now. Yeah. Are they behind the eight ball? I mean, where do they stand? What are their chances to land Chris Bryant?
3: Well, I, Chris Bryant hasn't signed yet. And uh-huh. I remember even before the shutdown, um, uh, there, there, there was a, um, something from John Heyman, who has really good sources, with, um, with, with Scott Boris, who is Chris mm-hmm. Bryant's agent. And I had mentioned that they were going after Chris Bryant. I've been told by multiple people right. Rockies are going after Chris Bryant. Um, when John Heyman put that out there, it was clear too that uh, th- that both sides saw that as as a possibility. And everything that I've heard, and I work with a lot of people who work the agent part of it too, is that this was this is not just a pie in the sky thing. I do know also that there was there's been a lot of research into Kyle Schwarber um in fact going into the offseason and uh, and even now I look at them as one and one aid because um I spent some time talking with people who were who were really looking at the lineup and there was a lot of excitement about Kyle Schwarber and part of me thought then because I've kind of unpacked it a bit part of me thought then Chris Bryant, who is a Scott Boris client, the Rockies usually don't get those. That's what I was going to say. At the top of the Mm future, the fact that that is a serious thing, you go you all you go all the way back to the draft in 2013, where in just a little background story. I had put together a really good story. I mean, I thought it was one of the better stories about Chris Bryant and the things the Rockies were going to do with Chris Bryant. I went to bed the night before the draft saying, "Okay, Chris Bryant is coming to Denver. I called one of my sources um, that that knew, that really knew. And and I said, well, just, um, you know, I've got my Chris Bryant story ready. And I was laughing. And the guy cracks up laughing. He goes, you mean you didn't write a John Gray story? I'm like, you're kidding me because obviously a lot of teams were talking about getting John Gray with the 100 mile an hour fastball I'm like mm-hmm. you're kidding me and he's laughing he goes no he goes you may want to tear up your story and rewrite it somewhere in a computer I still have a Chris Bryant to the Rockies story um but you should
2: unearth that if this actually happens <laughs> exactly. yeah really
3: what, what happened was the Cubs really smokescreened very well um there were and I can't remember who went fourth in that draft but but, but, the, but the Cubs were um, talking about Gray. They were talking about another couple of guys. And I think whoever ended up going number one, the Cubs were talking about. But they intentionally did not say very much about Chris Bryant. Then the night before the draft, they made it clear that that was their guy. So that's what happened in this. Um, the Rockies had actually researched it, thinking that they would at some point move Carlos Gonzalez to first base and put Chris Bryant in the right field as their right fielder of the future. So they, they, they were already in a plan to have Chris Bryant and Carlos Gonzalez in the same lineup. It was that far down the road, and mm-hmm. I know they had talked about it. So mm-hmm. there's been a long history, and I've even been told by various baseball sources that of all the Nolan Arenado trade rumors mm-hmm. before he was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals, the one that the Rockies were the most excited about was Chris Bright. Do you remember the a yeah. year before the trade, there was talk I mean, about yeah. a deal? I know that, it, and they couldn't get the parts to fit together. The The Cubs actually at that time wanted John Gray. They also wanted Nolan Arnado, but couldn't figure out a way to swing it. Um, I, I, I'd even talked to a couple of people where maybe there was a the thought that they could get the Atlanta Braves involved, where the Rockies um, would end up. Uh, would end up with Bryant and somehow the the the, um, the Braves would be able to move I believe it was Josh Donaldson at the time maybe to the maybe to the Cubs but that never materialized so there's been a long interest there and even this week I found out that the Rockies made a serious attempt to trade for Kyle Schwarber when um it was pretty recently when they knew that they didn't have a lineup to put out there. They couldn't square it with the cubs. It seems like the parts never fit with the cubs. So there's been a long interest in both of these guys. Um, as far as Michael Conforto is concerned, I find that one that one really interesting. If you look at his um, look at his numbers, look at him offensively and defensively, he really fits in right field to the point that Charlie Blackman could, would primarily be a DH and that still may happen. Uh, foro has
2: got a great batted ball profile for Coors Field.
3: It's hmm. it, it's a great one for Coors Field, and he and, and defensively he fits a Coors Field. And I know that for some time the Rockies have believed that um, as a two way player, he fits as well as anybody. So all three hmm. of them are on the radar right now.
1: Where would uh, Schwarber play if they've got if they landed him Schwarber only? Is he an outfielder? Or is he a DH?
3: He would be an outfielder slash DH. Um, Seems like they have a lot line. of those. Yeah, he'd the plan would yeah, probably have to swap them
2: between, you know, yep. Blackman and yep. him.
3: Yep. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. The plan would be kind of like some of the modern American League teams. You know, there are very few David Ortiz's out there that's a right. DH every single day. Right. So he would he, he would circulate. And I would imagine that at least early in the season, he would play some first base. What we saw in the postseason last year was some pretty good first base from Kyle Schwarber. Um, they like Schwarber he he's one of those guys that doesn't have a position but right. a lot of people in baseball feel that there's athletic ability there to where you know you could you could make a first baseman out of him. i know that first base to me is a tough position because a lot of times you'll move a guy there when he's declining right. has no place to play but that hurts your entire infield i think daniel,
1: daniel murphy's oh. on line one yeah
3: yes um, well you know that yes. that
2: problem is now a thing of the past isn't it now that yeah. we have uh the National yeah.
1: League yeah. adopting
2: the, right. design- the, yeah,
3: the, yeah. the designated hitter really makes a difference there. You know, Bud, but
1: Bud told the, me one uh, time, I'll just hear it for a second. Bud told me one time, he's, I asked him about moving Charlie to first base and he said some of the worst first basemen I've ever seen are converted outfielders.
3: Right. He had told so, me no, that when yeah. they were talking mm-hmm. about Carlos Gonzalez also. Yeah. So
1: I, yeah, I, it's interesting uh, how those pieces will fit defense, obviously very important at Coors field more so maybe than any other ballpark. And you need to have the outfielders that can go get the ball, and Charlie can't do that anymore. Speaking
2: of outfielders and, yep. and first baseman, uh Thomas Cargo's there with you. Have you asked him if he's going to suit up for this team?
3: <laughs> it's funny. I'll tell you what. He looks like he could play, but he says he hasn't even taken a batting practice since he was released by the Mariners in 2020. Given the uh, options right now? Yeah, no uh, kidding. DH is know, in. Bro, we have the DH, the, yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm saying I haven't even projected a lineup, to be honest with you, because yeah. Yeah. I know that – there is no way that they would go into the season with a lineup like this unless it's all falling apart. I mean, yeah. things yeah. would have to fall apart completely. <laughs> who had, who had, who had, the, the,
2: what was the over-under on, on how long this one was going to go before yeah. we heard all falling apart?
3: Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, there, there, there just isn't that, – that made – No, it's almost like, I feel like projecting a lineup makes no sense, it's wasted effort right now until they figure out what they're gonna do. Would they have to go to a plan B or C? Would they have to make a trade? Doesn't look like any trades, at least the last couple of days from asking around, doesn't look Mm -hmm. like any trades on the horizon. And now you're just starting to hear about people who could be traded like like the Padres, everybody's darling talking about trading Eric Hosmer and or mm. uh, Will Myers is
2: Myers. fascinating when no you uh, when no you're thinking kidding. about yeah. course field, field yeah absolutely exactly. what right. he could do here i mean and, and then you know and also t- thomas give us a little dose of reality on um uh for for the twitter out there after what the rockies have done actually the better way to put this is not done over the last right two, three years in terms of free agency, in terms of adding anybody of any consequence except for CJ Cron, who wasn't even supposed, I mean, right. that was a secondary thought. That's it, right. Give us some reality on on like the, the person who's who's a skeptic out there, uh, particularly your favorites on Twitter, who would say, yeah, right, the Rockies aren't going to do anything. I, I put a poll out there just for, you know, uh, on Twitter, you know, what are the chances that that the Rockies sign a significant outfield bat? And I had 280 something votes, something like that. And it was 83 to 17, not going to do anything. So (laughs) give us a little reality on that, Thomas.
3: Well, the, you know, the fact of the matter is going into the off season. I know I spent a lot of time with Bud Black and, and Bill Schmidt. And they said, you know, they've got to do something and they know it. Um, You look at the pitching they're in a pretty good pitching window for course Field when you've got Hermann Marquez Kyle Freeland Antonio Sensatella and Austin Gomber who, who showed pretty well mm-hmm. there yeah. you owe it to yourself to put a lineup around them it's just if you look at a normal offseason let's face it the offseason ended in November there were no winter meetings I mean to judge yeah. an offseason by what happened and if you look at it if you look at we, we talked about three guys, another guy, Trevor Story, who they did make an attempt to, to re-sign. Uh, I'm, I'm told that this week they made an attempt to re-sign him. Mm-hmm. Some players got involved. The The, the team did approach him, uh, but Trevor has decided to to, to go elsewhere. But mm-hmm. there was no winter meetings. I mean, to judge an offseason by what's happened.
2: Well, I'm talking about the uh, last two like, offseasons or three. It, it, yeah.
3: Well, it, yeah, but if those four are still out there, I mean, the last two offseasons probably are different from this offseason because – the, the last two off seasons, the one before they knew they couldn't do anything with right. Nolan Arnaldo, and then the next one they're coming off a pandemic. Um, it just didn't make a lot of sense where they were as a club, where they are right now with the pitching, even though they had the pitching last year, where they are, they've got to do something, and they, and, and they know they've got to do something. And if you look at it, if those four guys are out there there are a lot of teams, and, and Carlos Correa is out there. So there are a lot of teams who haven't done much right now. It's very easy to go on, I guess, the past, but they um, have the past. The, the past wasn't, um, you know, wasn't this off season. Mm-hmm. This offseason's weird.
1: They they had have signed two guys that, that conceivably could help them. Yeah, um, Manny, I why really, don't you really talk like about those latest. two guys? Manny, talk I really about those like two. Really
2: like the guys. bullpen bullpen piece with uh, with Mr. Colomay.
3: Yeah, I, I like Alex Colomain, the bullpen, a couple of things. Number one, he's still he, he's still effective. He's still effective in the ninth inning. If you go back to the two seasons when they were a surprise playoff team, they got a closer, and the closer really set the bullpen. Um, they, they put guys where they should be. I mean, if you look at uh, Daniel Bard, no. he, he's not a closer on right. a team that that has aspirations. You look at and carlos Estevez can he develop into one maybe but do you want to go into the season with him there that's why they got alex colomay and that was something that just from talking to a number of people before everything shut down uh, um, the rockies were quietly looking at the at, at the closer market and what happens with that is they have a number of really strong-armed guys i mean justin yep. Lawrence. Uh, um, for fernandez that they brought up at the end of yep. the season uh, jordan sheffield hmm. there may be a closer in there and what they uh, and, and what a lot of teams are trying to do is how the giants did it where they ended up with a pretty good young arm as a closer but he was a guy they sent down three times i believe it was during the season can't and do that anymore though the-
1: can't, you can't do that now they've limited the, the number of options during the year in the but new season.
3: I think they limited it to five in a season though. So if you look at all those younger relievers and, and you throw Lucas Gilbert and Ben Bowden, and maybe some guys that come up in there, you can still develop a reliever over the course of the season. You bring him up. You you know, a guy is talented and then when he struggles, you send him down, clean that up. That, that, that seems to be a pretty good strategy around baseball. And I do know from talking to a number of sources with the club that was the plan before the CBA came out. Now, obviously, you can't yo-yo guys six, seven times anymore. But I, um, Manny, I believe that number is five. Is that correct? Say that again. The number of times you can send a guy down during the season. Yeah, it's five times. So yep. that's plenty of opportunity to develop a bullpen on that way, and that is kind of the back plan there. But you know, obviously, if Alex Colomay is a closer and he's, he certainly looks like it. I mean, what a couple of years ago, he had a sub one ERA and you, and, and you look at his strikeouts and everything else. He's a good ground ball guy. That's a good guy to put in the ninth inning. And if you have a closer um, somewhere on your roster, you can let him develop. So that was a good move. The other underrated to me move was picking up Jose Iglesias. He does not help your offensive lineup that much, but um, I had this discussion a few years ago, actually with Jeff Breitich and, uh, just looking at how they developed the the couple of years that they went to the playoffs, something that we didn't talk a lot about. Um, If you were to put together Rockies Magna Carta, you know how this whole thing is going to run. You, with, come up with that Yeah, the, the calligraphy absolutely. and whatever. <laughs> By the way, Jeff Bright just looked at me. As yeah, if I was going to say, mentioned. what did he look
2: like? You know, what did he, yeah, what he, was he, his he look? Get,
3: I'll, I'll tell you his reaction later, but. I said there would be two things that you'd have to have above home runs, above whatever our WRC plus on the offense. You have to have pitchers that do not walk people. That's number one on the list. And the second thing when you're setting the way that the Rockies would operate is you've got to put away outs on ground balls. And especially if hopefully Rob Manfred comes through and, um, and, and does away with the shift, then it's even more important important to have a rangy shortstop. You've got to put away ground ball outs. You've yeah. got to put away double plays. You look at the pitching staff here. They rank high in ground balls. You look at Kyle Freeland and uh, Sensatella and also Hermann Marcus. They rank high in double play grounders. So you have got to have a shortstop that puts those away. And if at 32 years old, and from what I saw of him last year, he still had the range. Uh, and, and, and don't forget, you don't have the shift anymore, hopefully. then. That guy can really make a difference, even if he does not help you a lot offensively.
2: And Jose Jose Iglesias has been seen, I think, across the league as a stopgap option for whoever he, wherever he was going to go. And yeah. this is a case here too with Tovar and with with what's to come. Um, it seems like this guy could be that guy. for Right, he for could be too.
3: a stopgap option. And <laughs> a lot of times when you get the stopgap option, or say with the bullpen where you get the closer, if you are a surprise contender. Then those outs put away on the ground in in his case will make a huge difference.
1: Well, and we all know that every good, well, i say, every playoff team the Rockies have ever had have been historically good defensively. The yeah. 2017 I, was like in, the best the ever. Field. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so we understand. Yeah, how as, far,
3: yeah as far as as far as basic defense. Now you go into the advanced numbers and 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 you can look at the stat goblin numbers and say, gee, that wasn't a great team. But the fact of the matter is, when you hit the ball to them on the ground they put away outs, and yep. that's what matters
1: critical absolutely critical all right some of the guys who are coming back that we they want to see any improvement from or you're going to count on mcmahon's probably at the top of that list was spectacular at third base last year tailed off offensively in the second half um what are they expecting from, from mcmahon as he enters he's gonna be full-time third baseman i'm assuming
3: yeah yeah he's going to be a full-time third baseman i think for most of the year he looked pretty good he got into a couple of ruts um the there, that was, I thought, the first time that he went through a full 162 game season. And some of the struggles came from that. Um, there, were, there, there were times during the year, and I would ask him questions, and he would dodge certain ones. I knew there was pain um, on, on him. And I, sus- I, I suspect that right arm, uh, he threw the ball quite well, but there were times where the swing looked like he was a bit constricted. Then, when things would kind of calm down, um, I, in, in fact, I think he missed a couple of games with a forearm strain. It was the same thing that Trevor Story had. And it affected, uh, but it was McMahon's lead arm. I thought it affected the swing. When he was able to play through that, and I, I thought that um, he had some stretches where he did really, really well. And sometimes it's just not necessarily just resting the arm. It's figuring how to figuring out how to get through it when it's barking. Um, so I, I, I thought McMahon actually oh, for the first time going through a full season as a starting player. That was pretty good for him. I, I thought he did well. The other guy that I'm expecting to see a step forward because we saw it toward the end of the year when he, when he corrected his stance and you saw it in winter ball as it continued was Sam Hilliard. Sam Hilliard plays a pretty good center field of course yeah. field. So the, the Rockies, they're always going to have those guys. I um, mean, you go back to um, 2006 where they had, Garrett Atkins, Matt Holiday had really popped. He was an all star type yeah. guy. But Garrett Atkins, um, Troy Tulowitzki got his feet wet at, at, at shortstop. And there were several other guys Brad in the lineup. Like yeah, you look at it, yeah Br- Brad Hopp. Yeah. Um, you, you also look at uh, Ryan Spielborgs and Corey Sullivan. All those guys, it's like you saw some things from them. And when they went into 2007, nobody was expecting them to do as well. Also, the pitching staff in 06 pitched really well. Um, they actually pitched better than they did in 07, the starting pitching staff. So yeah. the Rockies are always, right now, they're always going to be a surprise team. But if you look at younger players that are that need to make the, the next step, it just looks like they're near that level. The other guy who may be their best offensive player this year, if, you know, say, I think Charlie Blackman should rebound, but you don't know because of the age and everything. Yeah. The guy who could be their best offensive player is Brendan Rogers. Yeah. He came off the injury, and I think for the first 11 games, re- the first 11 games like really tanked his average. He hit 295 the rest of the season, and we're talking about from um, the middle of May on 295 with some power as it went. Yeah. It wasn't until June that he hit his first no- home run, and he was well in the double figures. I think it was 16. So
2: he was there he, are guys- some of his swings he took too. I mean, some of those yeah. I remember a ball that he hit uh, on the road that, that he turned on that it was just. I can't, I mean, can't put it other than impressive. I mean, between the bat speed and the way he turned on that pitch, it's something that you saw. I mean, he was good overall, but you saw glimpses of that. This guy could be great. Like this guy could be even better than maybe what, what he's been projected to be because of some of those, some, I mean, again, it was glimpses and it was, it was one of those things where it's, it's been so long. It's like three, three years overdue for him. And he's finally here. and He's finally playing every day. So um, if he continues on that trajectory, we could see special things from this guy.
3: Yeah, three years overdue, but three years that he did hardly played because yeah. of the injuries. Well, that's and what I'm saying, three years overdue. When, yeah, when, yeah. When, we, when we saw that, um, that swing, like I, I think for the first couple of years, we saw a swing. It's like, where's this swing we've been hearing about? Part of it, I think, was, was the repeated shoulder injuries. It's like, where's the swing we've been hearing about? Then all of a sudden, the swing started to look like Matt Holliday, how short it was at the beginning, and real power through the baseball. Um, yeah, what he has to it. do, let, let's say that he maintains that offense, and this is a guy with a lot of confidence. What he has to do is get a little bit better defensible to where he's anticipating some things. I saw some double plays that weren't turned, especially in some key situations, some balls he didn't get to in key situations. Then I saw some excellent plays. He's learning how to play second base, but that learning curve has to pick up quickly. i go back to the, Thomas, the ability to out on the, on the ground.
1: Don't you think though, that he played better at second last year than most people thought he was going to given his reputation. I think yes, he, he I think he over, he outperformed his expectations last year. If you say he can get a lot better, that's really good news for Rockies fans.
3: Well, I, I thought he outperformed expectations and that when he was at second base, and don't forget the two snippets we saw were shoulder injury snippets, yep. especially yep. the first one. Right. But it seemed that the transition from shortstop to second base took a lot longer than you would have thought it would. I mean, a lot of people feel like, uh, you know, you, if you play sec, if you play short and you play short decently, you can play second. There was a time at the start of last season where the times that he played shortstop, he was better there than at second base. Hmm. But I thought that he developed over the course of the season. And like I say, the next thing is, When he's on the mound, especially in key situations, maybe behind a relief pitcher, being able to get that first step, figuring out where the ball is going to go. What may help him is, and I I hope it happens, if they do away with the shift and he has to learn it at bat after at bat after at bat and not have to play short right field or or, or whatever it is that you play Uh in the shift. I think that uh, that may help him develop. Hey, hey, hey
1: Manny, I'm getting the feeling that Thomas doesn't like the shift. I, I he's dropping all these. No, I, I I can I can I can I
2: can confirm that. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and I think you
3: know but my, I, my I, hatred for the shift is blood <laughs> hatred.
2: Yeah. It's almost I mean, he, it's almost as much as he hates dolphins. I mean, it's like it's it's up it's, to that level. And
1: that guys, and I'm not defending the shift because I don't really like it either. But isn't it didn't it come into play because hitters weren't smart enough to go the other way? I mean, we all know Tony Gwynn and guys like that would have hit. 600 against the shift. I mean, I, I blame the uh, hitters I mean, part of it, for not making adjustments.
2: Part of it is, too, is um, there's two things there. One is that guys are throwing harder than they have ever thrown before. The should stuff is e- different. should make it easier to go right the opposite field. Well, it depends. And then, second, on your on approach, your I mean, again, approach can be changed. But the, but the thing is, is that when you – and, again, this is part of the whole thing we're talking to Dante Bichette about um, last right. year – is the pendulum swinging back or not yeah. from this idea about slugging versus contact. Right. And cause there's always the, it, it doesn't have to be a zero sum game, but it kind of is a zero sum game in pra- practically speaking in reality, the slugging versus the contact. So Ooh. if you're trying to slug, if that's who, you, if that's who, you are, who you're trying to be, then the going the other way. And, and like what, like we used to see Tony Gwen do and, mm-hmm. and so many guys, um, you know one guy that had both of those things i just did a story on him will clark he had both of those things yeah. so he could go the other way with that and mm-hmm. he could crush a home run under right field and that's what i'm saying like ideally you could have both but most guys can't do it they they have to they have to they have to sacrifice one for the other mm-hmm. now he could you know you could say what you want about whether that should be the case or not but that's the thing on that and and as far as the shift goes i have i have evolved on that um i i was against any sort of um uh, banning of anything that would change the game itself and now I, I i i find myself fantasizing of baseballs going up the middle and going into center field um yeah. so yeah it's kind of like you know i mean baseball has changed in the past you know over the years and um i my stance on that is softened to this point i got a question for you tom it's kind of shifting gears a little bit okay. or kind of going well, back to something
3: i i i would like to though I, I would like to go off about the shift because <laughs> so I am want to All right, go it. ahead. We'll go let you, go. Go. you you want to ask the question now, or do you want me to, let
2: me ask you uh, now and then we'll come back to it just because I might okay. forget about it later. But, um, if they do go ahead and sign, you know, Brian or Schwarber or, you know, wh- whoever, Conforto. Conforto. um, Ryan Maltopi is gone. Yeah.
3: No, I, I I'm not sure on that, but my, my druthers are no. I think that there's still playing time for him. There's still matchups for him. I think that you have a deep, deeper lineup. One of the mistakes the Rockies could make here is the nine, is really concentrate on the nine-player lineup and not on the depth beyond it. Um, if you look at the Rockies in the past, what they've done is put very inexperienced players in bench-type roles, in, yes. uh, in second-string-type yep. roles if you end up dropping ramal tapia to the bench or he's fighting his way to get in the lineup i think it's a better player than say some guy who's just breaking into the major leagues and and, and trying to yeah. and, and trying to get there so i'm not ready to give up on ramal tapia yet now what happens if connor joe former number one pick ends that's, up a good point. Again? Yeah. that's a different thing but i think you need that competition i think Too often, and I can go back to even the years that they went to the playoffs, I I remember um, Ryan McMahon was just breaking into the majors, and they made him a part-time first baseman. A guy like that needed to be playing every day. I thought it slowed his development, and he didn't contribute at the big league level until later in the year when he came up, as, uh, and, and there was playing time for him because he had playing time in AAA.
2: Hey guys, it's, we're hard to find, it's hard to find a good. Far, it's hard to find good part-time first basements.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: right. <I> think, <laughs> we think
3: yeah, baseball well, English. That's an no inside
1: joke. Look, we're, we're getting low on time here, guys. I got to ask you this.
3: Um, can, can I talk about the shift
1: in a minute? This kind of relates. This kind of relates. Okay. Uh, the Rockies reportedly have a new, em- will have a new emphasis on analytics. This is Manny's wheelhouse now. Um, the, the players we've mentioned, the young guys, the, the guys, how much is the current lineup, not just the draft, how much is the current lineup going to benefit from an increased usage and emphasis on analytics? And, and, because well, the shift is all about analytics, Thomas.
3: Right. Well, what, what will happen is it helps the coaching staff and it helps the players because after the pandemic, they lost a lot of their people. I mean, they yep. were down to one or they were down to two people essentially last yep. year, one traveled and from what I understand from talking to the coaches and the players they raved about those two people the one who's still there Brittany, Brittany Hayden, in charge of the uh, uh, of the advanced scouting situation where it's cobbling and getting into the players but what has happened over the years is that the coaches have had to yep. really be versed in it um, I think Bud black what's actually he has sent every pitching coach to Pitchapalooza. This happens in <laughs> that, in, Manny, in uh, Franklin, Manny. Tennessee outside that floor. He has sent them to Pitcher Palooza and they all are um they, what a they terrible all have that certification. <laughs> That's I mean a great thing. You like, couldn't do they better they than Pitchapalooza.
2: <laughs> really? Oh, they, oh it's, hey, it's wonderful.
3: I love it. But what's happened? Yeah, they have, they needed to have certification in all of those technological things. But think about the time that a coach who is well versed in it and knows there's an answer there and has to do it himself. Well, if you go to Pitch a, a Palooza,
2: step. I mean, come on. I mean uh, That's you, right, yeah. But, you'd be well, uh, but now there's a team, and
3: it's pitch like, you know, someone can actually hand you those, and they can say, well, this is what I learned at Pitch a Palooza. <laughs> okay. Now the shift, the shift. The shift. The go shift. ahead,
1: go ahead. We got, we got a couple minutes left. Go ahead. It's time for a shift to okay, Palooza. Okay.
3: Shift to shift <laughs> shift <of> Palooza. <laughs> okay. The problem with it is, is that there is nothing more boring than someone standing there catching a ball that, for more than a hundred years was a hit a hard oh, line man, drive the middle. A ball over the second basement and Tony Gwynn had a lot of hits like that. So yeah. I mean, you I, try- just
2: dropped it over the second baseman. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 Or line drive even past the second. There were, there were screaming balls that end up in a guy's glove. So to say that Tony Gwynn would have hit 600, you're taking away well, one of the best skills in all of the game. It's like telling Tom Brady, Gee, you know defenses have changed, so you're going to have to learn to stand there and block a defensive.
2: Tom Brady doesn't you have know? to learn you're about gonna, anything. Yeah. He's going to be playing yeah. until, I mean, uh, uh, he's yeah, going to be you, playing until he's fifty-seven. I
3: was yeah, really Tom hoping we could get through this whole show
1: without back back mentioning Tom Brady, former for Expos uh, draft. Yeah, yeah, I wanted right. to get through the whole thing without him. Go so ahead.
3: what you're what what you what you're what you're doing is you have let essentially non-athletes, mathematicians, or whatever, take away. Yeah, Thomas baseball manny,
1: he's hitting you the, in the wheelhouse manny this
3: baseball is, your wheelhouse. is the most athletic sport no no sport calls for more athletic ability so suddenly as baseball i want to and make it very clear
2: into, though thomas that that i i have been labeled as a stat monger <laughs> yes.
3: not yes, a, stat a stat goblin monger. stats
2: the, a palooza stat, stat goblinry is 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 a very exactly. grotesque and very um <laughs> it's a, it's a very repugnant thing. And so I do not want to be lumped in with the stat goblins. I just want to make it clear that Thomas, the only time, the only time Thomas has ever come very close, like he was almost about to mouth it. He was about to say it was we were sitting across the table from each other. was trying to convince him Larry Walker was a hall of famer and we know how that all turned out. So we're okay.
3: Yeah. This is like a family feud. I had had an open mind on that and I, and, and I looked and I, okay, this is fine. But yeah, what, what happened to the game? So difference between statmonger and statgoblin. Statmonger will look at <laughs> will look at a lot of things and say, "Hey, this could help you." Um, Tampa Bay's been very good at that. They actually they they don't lord over their players. Mm-hmm. They're just like this information could help All you, right. or we think this could help your career. But stat right. goblins. They they came up with a the shift. They stacked people on one side of the infield and okay. they turned the game into All total right. board.
1: All right. Hey, we gotta we gotta wrap it up, guys. This is so much fun. Okay. We're gonna do this so many more times now with having you guys back. Let's both have out a of,
3: show just about the shift. Both
1: out of both of you out of timeout. Good. You know, it's wonderful to have you back. It's wonderful to have baseball back. And Thomas, it is. I'll be down to visit with you in, in Arizona in a in a week or so. We'll hook up. Manny, we'll keep doing this now. You're back in the in the yep. saddle. It's wonderful. I'm sure you have a closer for us coming up.
2: Yes, sir. On the other side.
1: Hey, Thomas, stay clean, stay warm. Uh, I'll be down to see you next week. And Manny, we'll look forward to the closer. All right, guys, appreciate it. We'll be back right after this.
2: For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com.
0: Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USA Prime Colorado at gmail.com for more information.
2: We're back. Baseball is back. That is fantastic news. Now, the Rockies. Oh, the Rockies. As we heard from Thomas on today's podcast, the interest in Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, and Michael Conforto is very real. And Colorado is in the, quote, sign one of these guys are bust mode. And when you look at the current projected lineup, yeah, yeah, they should be. Which brings us to the ever salient point that when you call Coors Field home, you should have hitters in your lineup. Like guys who can hit, not hitters as in guys who step to the box. The original Blake Street Bombers, Larry Walker, Andre Scalaraga, Dante Bichette, Vinny Castilla, and Ellis Burks, knew a little something about smashing baseballs out of cores. They did that really well. So well that they even grouped themselves together during batting practice just as opposing pitchers would come out onto the field to stretch. It doesn't hurt to give them a preview of their short term fate. Burks even said once that they used to call themselves the nightmare on Blake Street. Nightmare for opposing pitchers, that is. Those days are long past. It feels like eons ago. That the Rockies had a lineup that you could legitimately use the term Blake Street Bombers for. I mean, it was like four years ago, but it feels like eons. Someone once made a statement that I'll never forget. As a matter of principle, the Rockies should never be toward the bottom of the league in any hitting category, he said. As we've said before, the Rockies need to make Coors Field a home field advantage, not something that is constantly hanging over them because of the hangover they get from going down to sea level. Some things, like the Coors Hangover, can't really be helped but hitting at Coors Field should not be an issue. Unless, and even possibly despite acquiring a Bryant or a Schwarber or a Conforto, it appears it will be an issue for this club in 2022.
1: Great to have our closure back in the lineup. So for Manny and our special guest, Thomas Harding, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll be with us moving forward right here on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We'll catch you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.